Hi everyone, and thank you very much for joining this Onlistica video on integrating influencers into your business as usual proceedings. So I think a lot of people in this industry kind of know about maybe um, using influencers every now and then, or, that, or they've kind of had some experience activating influencers on a sort of one-off basis. It's usually around a big event, or maybe you've got like a big content launch. Today, we kind of want to think about um, how do we really make sure that we've, we've sort of bedded working with influencers into our uh, into our overall approach? I'm very lucky to be joined um, by three guests today who I know are going to add a lot of value to this conversation. We have Kelvin Lee, Cecilia Donici, and Tamara McCleary. Um, so before we kick off, I'm going to go around uh, and ask everyone to introduce themselves and maybe explain kind of how you guys came to be involved uh, in influence marketing, where you work now, and uh, also kind of explain how you're you're currently working with influencers. So, uh, Kelvin, I'm going to let you go first. Great. Well, thanks first for having me here. Currently dialed in in uh, and from Singapore, um, so it's quite uh, quite late at, at at night for me. So uh, you know, definitely looking forward to to this conversation and and discussion. So. My role as global director of social media at Refinitiv means that I think about the approaches, tactics, and, and strategies around organic paid ads and, of course, earn slash influencer marketing. Uh, I work at Refinitiv. We are one of the world's largest provider of financial market data, analytics, trading, um, risk assessment tools to institutional financial um, firms, banks, hedge funds, etc., some, there are some 40,000 customers in approximately 190 countries. Um, where we, we first started our influencer marketing journey would be about two to three years ago, where we saw an opportunity to find a way to leverage the, the reach and engagement and, of course, the, um, the trust that the key opinion leaders, these influencers have um, increasingly year on year with our target customers. We started to, to, to speak with a few agencies and partners. We obviously work closely today with, with Onolotica. Um, and that's, that's how we, we landed. Obviously, I'll talk a little bit more on the program that we've been running a little bit later on. Cool. Cecilia, do you want to go next? Hello, um, Cecilia from London. So I love that we're all over the world this panel. Um, so yeah, a little bit about me. I'm the digital strategy and content director of We Communications in the UK. Um, so globally, we are one of the largest independent communication agencies in the world. So we've got about uh, 1,300 people, 24 offices. Um, and I would say throughout my career, so I've always worked in social media from the very start, I would say. So throughout my career in this role and previous roles, always worked with influencers since really the start of influencer marketing. So it's been a really interesting and fascinating journey because it has changed so much. Um, and obviously we can talk a little bit about kind of like what are the things that we've learned along that journey later on. But I would say in terms of the work that we do at the moment with influencers and working with you guys at Analytica, um, we really work in a, in a variety of ways and it's really interesting because they're also varied. Um, and so we work with influencers across our two main sectors, principal 
like mainly tech and healthcare. So it's anything in terms of working with uh, tech influencers on Capgemini, um, but also on Flare, uh, on thermal imaging cameras, uh, but also working with people affected by specific uh, skin conditions on Leo Pharma um, or, you know, other clients might have like other requirements. So we do really interesting, varied work. Um, all the projects that we worked on with you guys is for example, on again, on tech influencers on Lenovo. So I think it's really, I think, interesting finding those different passion points and those communities in those spaces. Um, and yeah, it keeps it really varied. So we're very lucky in that sense. Cool, no, thank you. Um, and finally, Tamara. Hello. Yes, this uh, kind of exciting, this journey that we're all on. But I started off actually at the beginning, just like Cecilia, um, at the beginning of the dawn of social media. What was that? And, um, you know, I took my passion for artificial intelligence, machine learning. Um, and, you know, it was it was it wasn't anywhere where it is today. Um, but my science background in cancer research, molecular physiology, I started just uh, blogging and talking about my interests and in creating a thought leadership online, never intended to become an influencer. In fact, the name sort of bugs me a bit <laughs> in the fact that I really just think it's about human beings with a common interest having conversations in this delicious vehicle that we call social media which has democratized across the entire population the ability to have a voice and to share ideas. And, um, you know, to me, it's about creating communities and creating communities that are really engaged in these topics of conversation that are moving the needle forward, at least in my space, in technology. And um, so later, you know, going through the process of all the things gone wrong, with brands and influencer marketing, I created an agency um, about 10 years ago. And uh, our agency is Thulium. I'm the CEO now. Um, we are a global uh, social media marketing agency working in the B2B and enterprise space because obviously that's kind of where you know my interest lies with technology. And having a healthcare background, then we also um, deal a lot with how healthcare tech is changing. So artificial intelligence within the tech space, the internet of things and connectivity and, you know, where we're going with implantable devices and um, uh, nanotechnology, um, but also the business use cases and applications for artificial intelligence, robotic, robotic process automation, and um, just intelligent enterprise and, um, uh, manufacturing. So all of these, it's interesting, you know, in the past we used to categorize all these, these topics and all these influencers, but mm. I don't know if you guys are noticing this, uh, Cecilia and Kelvin, but I feel like as we are becoming uh, more technologically astute and connected, that it's very difficult to say it's artificial intelligence over here and it's IoT over here, and it, it, it's all all interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so it's this huge umbrella of technology, and then um, gathering all of these communities that used to be disparate, but now that we have the internet and we have social media is we can start to come together. And like I said at the beginning, share ideas and create communities 
around tech for good and using and harnessing technology to support humanity. Yeah, no, that, that was, it was interesting you touched on the point about, um, yeah, use of the word influencer earlier, because I remember Kelvin joined us for an earlier um, one of these where we kind of covered the the same topic. And I know that sort of that's that will be an interesting development, I think, in the in the year ahead, um, whether we, we sort of break away from using that. So I wanted to kind of kick off by maybe thinking about if you're at the start of this of this process, you're kind of before you maybe get to a to a business as usual approach. Um, what in, in everyone's experience to some experience are some of the easiest ways to kind of get started if you wanted to include influencers in content and events do you think there's a way that you need to get started with a view to that sort of long-term business as usual or do you think there are sort of some quick tactical things that you can usually do that that work really well so i want to start maybe with you Cecilia. yeah for sure um I try to think of formats too much. My reasoning for this is that I think I would approach it from the start as a collaboration. So thinking, you know, even if you're either a new brand or brand that hasn't done anything in influence marketing space, it's kind of like what value can influencers and collaborating with them bring to your marketing and comms activity? And what value also can you bring to them um, I think that's often where brands miss the mark a little bit. And I think they just mm. see it as a one one way approach. And, you know, they think, well, I'm going to pay this person X amount of money or, you know, I'm going to send them this product or whatever. And that's it. And they're going to give me something back. But I think increasingly in the space of influencer marketing, I'd be interested to see what the other um, what the other guys think. But I think it has to be genuine. It has to be a real collaboration where there is a synergy between the brand and what you stand for and what are the things that you're trying to do um whether you're operating in in healthcare in technology uh you know but also in other sectors in fashion in beauty all of that why are you trying to do what's your mission and who are the people in the space that are really passionate about similar things and how can you, can you work for them and i try to think about that rather than formats because i think in terms of formats there are so many you could get people involved in terms of actually getting their opinions on a product or something you're developing so really tapping into that genuine community and just getting some real feedback from that um obviously you can test products you can invite them to events i think that naturally follows if you engage them in a conversation but i think a collaborative conversation will be my first port of call no, no, that makes sense. Tamara, would you do you say you agree? Oh, I think Cecilia is so spot on. Um, you know, it's 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 I'm not gonna add to her brilliance because she was right about the fact that it's about what value are you bringing to the influencer as well. But I'd like to to emphasize something that she said that's so important. She used the word passion. And when you, you have to reverse engineer and go, okay, what's the point of using influencers anyway? What are we trying to do here with this event or with this campaign? And if, you, if we even deconstruct the word influence, we're hoping that someone has so much um, trust built with a community, such a strong relationship to others digitally, that what they say has merit and that merit will drive some sort of action. That's what we're really looking for, right? Because you know, for us with social media, we're, we're looking and tracking attribution. We're looking to show the ROI of social campaigns. 
And so it's not about popularity or vanity metrics. It's really about pairing this passion that Cecilia talked about with the right influencers who are so juiced up about the topic, who have a body of work, who have something to say, who have built so much trust with their audience that they have a very, and here's the word I want to underline, engaged following. Um, mm. And so they're not just pumping out and spamming all the social platforms. Instead, they're putting out very exquisite content that's in alignment with what the brand is trying to drive across that then engages that audience to want to participate in a conversation. And when you achieve that, you just blew away what every concept is about influencer marketing and you've nailed it on the head. No, I absolutely like agree that I think, you know, that that alignment is is so important. Um, Kelvin, I'd be interested to kind of hear, obviously you're, you're coming from, you know, a sort of financial data perspective. Um, have you have you found the same thing? Do you think are there are there little ways you've looked to get started, or do you think the same kind of applies? Um, yeah, of course. Um, I think in a way that's the holy grail of of why any firm would start an influencer program or a campaign um, is really to bring the that kind of trust and potential influence to help influence our clients and customers to think about us and our all the positive natures of our brand. But I'd like to maybe add another complementary angle into this, this conversation where, because if you like, I'm representing the client side, right? Where we were thinking about how do we, how do I drive internal adoption so that it's not just seen as a social media team activity or a marketing team activity, which in my first year, I suffered from, um, I started it with with my boss endorsing me and actually it went really nowhere. Um, and through, through the years over time, what I've learned in order to really bring this as BAU, um, getting a working group, getting a team of advocates internally behind you with the help of, of course, the platform, the external agency, the insights, and of course the influencers um, getting them behind you, and that means PR, comms, events, activation, product, all of these folks who inherently tend to be running with the activities, the, the programs, and in, and, in, and in many cases actually have that hardcore knowledge, the deep insight expertise around artificial intelligence or machine learning, or in our case, uh, commodities, oil prices, fixed income, etc., we will bring those in early on so that when the influencers do engage, there's actually a two-way conversation happening first to even initiate and, and kickstart that, that conversation. Um, otherwise, brands who don't uh, line that up in advance uh, have fall into that risk of looking like they're doing an influencer program, but internally they're not really ready when the influencer actually engage back. Um, so that, that that's something that we, we think about deeply and something that we're currently uh, ensuring that we think about not just tactics and inviting them to webinars and events, but it's really a holistic program that's really embedded strategically into the brand regional activation um, and, and of course some of the more tactical level as well. Yeah, I, I think... Oh, yeah, oh no. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I, I wish we could all just take a moment of silence to honour the wisdom that Kelvin Lee just offered us because I just have to clap. Yeah. In fact, we should just rewind it and play that again. Yes, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I really couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you're, we're all sort of talking about having a proper conversation about about these subjects and, you know, trying to bring people together who are interested in it. And like, you know, the, the, the group at, at a party that everyone gathers around is the people who look like they're having the best time. And I think if you can make those conversations really happen, people will, will naturally gravitate towards that. I guess I wanted to maybe ask um, Tamara and Cecilia, like how have you guys kind of had good examples where you've been able to recruit those people successfully? So I think that seems like one of the tough things is sort of recruiting those internal advocates to make sure that that conversation really happens. Do you think, is there, is there a kind of a couple of steps you would maybe go through, maybe Tamara first, like any steps you would go through to, mm -hmm. to make sure you can line up the people to, to, to make a true conversation happen? Jack, I think you just said it at the beginning when you started talking, and that is when you're at a party, what are people attracted to? They're attracted to the group that seems to be having a ton of fun, right? So, you know, when you look at wanting to engage influencers, you've got to start with what Kelvin was talking about, which was the organization, not just the social media team. Kelvin, I love that you said that. It's got to be the entire organization on board, integrated with what this means, what we're trying to drive, what it's all about. Because if the organization is having a really great conversation and they're out there and they're talking about these passion points, then you're going to get influencers who want to become involved in that conversation and be associated with having that thought leadership with a brand. And so it's less about trying to always recruit. And to Cecilia's comment earlier, it's wrong to think of influencer marketing as just transactional based. You know, could you be any more emotionally disconnected from the topic if it's just a transaction? It needs to be emotionally engaged and connected to the audience and the influencers need to be attracted to want to have these conversations that your organization or brand are involved in. So make it juicy, make it exciting, make it attractive, get out there, do tweet chats, do things to create conversation. And out of that conversation comes a boatload of juicy content. Yep. That, yeah. No, that sounds great. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's the content that speaks for itself, with that juicy content, if you put it, Tamara. Um, I think um, it's just, it speaks for itself. So if I have to convince someone, what I do is just, you know, obviously identify my stakeholders and I've been client side, I've been agency side, but obviously it comes down to, you know, sometimes you have to like convince some people, get some people on board. I think identifying those people, then they're showing them like really great examples of really great content. It's the power of storytelling. I think there is nothing more compelling than that, right? So I think I, I can think of so many like great campaigns, example, things that, you know, maybe I've done in my career, but also just other examples from brands and things that I've loved out there on the internet. So many great emotional story, moving stories, stories, entertaining stories, and then showing like two or three and saying like, why are we not doing something like this? This is amazing, right? And usually that FOMO works really well with people who are like, yes, we should be doing something like this. Oh gosh, why are we not? Um, and just kind of like leveraging that a little bit, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think there's always, you know, there's, there's probably in most fields, there's probably a brand doing it right and who are telling that story in a really exciting way. Um, so yeah, FOMO is probably a good way of thinking about it is how can you just get everyone 
everyone feeling a little bit jealous, but also with an example that kind of feels like it's within reach. Like these guys are, you know, they're selling something similar. They're, you know, they're in a similar part of the world. Why can't, why can't we do the same? I guess I wanted to put that sort of that fact in. Obviously, we've kind of talked then about how the the setup looks like. If you, you know, if, if you're sort of trying to describe, obviously without giving away all the all the state secrets, but if you were trying to describe, you know, how you then measure and report on that back to the business, I guess trying to think about my client side hat. Um, again, you know, how how would you report back on? The value of having those people talking to each other, um, having those those conversation happens. What are the sort of things? Do you still report on the individual moments, like the Twitter chats, the content performance that Cecilia and Tamara are talking about, or is there kind of something else that you look to to measure as part of that business as usual sort of influencer program performance? Well, I must admit it's it's not easy because I think that's one of the um, challenges that any marketeer would, would think about as their managers or bosses ask them for that investment into creating an influencer program uh, versus running paid search or paid uh, social ads, right, where there is a more of an instant gratification of converted leads and, and form fills, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, that's a kind of short to medium term game, right? Influencer marketing is a long tail game. You're not going to see anything until at least six to nine months later. Um, I think we were in a fortunate or, uh, I guess, opportune moment about one and a half years ago where Refinitiv rebranded um, outside of our ex-parent company, Thomson Reuters. Um, we People knew our products. People didn't know our brand. Unfortunately, uh, I, I, I work at and for a brand which is really trusted in, in our target audiences. So I think that's one of the questions that, um, people who are considering running a program like that need to see if really, uh, is it trustworthy? Is this believable that if we were to use the brand as a platform to engage with these influencers, is it likely to succeed? And, and in a way, I believe that we were, we took that, that bet. And from that, we launched and we obviously worked with Onolotica using the data and the analytics and through a very transparent set of metrics. Um, and we even published a methodology on how we created um, our social hundred, our global refinitive uh, social hundred, um, of which um, they were, if, if you like, a catalyst, a conversational starter to say, we recognize you as one of the key opinion leaders in this space and breaking it down into specific areas such as big data, it might be smart trading, it might be um, people who are um, more engaged and vocal in helping to fight financial crime, an area which we deeply care about, or it could be about ESG or sustainability. Um, from, from that on, we use that as a, this is going back to your KPI question, I was then able to continually prove month on month through the use of activities, webinars, LinkedIn chats, blogs, etc., that that influencer activities tend to create a spike, right? And over time, there's this upward trend of reach, engagement, blog visits, which ultimately helps drive additional incremental traffic to product pages, ultimately leading to uh, interest in free trials, things like that. Because I think that's ultimately where we believe that's ultimately where the CMO looks at, right? It's not really just about reach and impression, which is always nice, but ultimately how much kind of middle or funnel traffic that these activities that we spend time planning and actually activating such as this one eventually leads to attributable um, 
contacts or leads that are worth following up against. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you know it. I guess it's almost the 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 value of the the well-run influencer program is you're going to be able to run these higher performing um, campaigns. You know, you're, you're going to be able to sort of do these these activities that just perform really well. Camera, do you think is is there anything else that you would sort of encourage businesses to to record? And if you're if you're trying to do like your scorecard quarterly, my influencer program is going great. We're having great conversations. We're producing great content. Kind of. Was what are your what are your three or four things do you think that go on on the scorecard for you know this is just the program's going well everyone um, and kind of sharing that that data. Well, I think it's you know what Calvin was saying, and that is it's tracking attribution. So you're you know using maybe like Bitly links. You're you're tracking click throughs. You're you're using your CRM, whether you're using Salesforce or Marketo, you know, whatever your CRM system is, you're able to, to integrate your CRM to be able to track how much of the business bottom line is impacted by your influencer program or your social programs, right? So, because in the end, I mean, I'm the CEO of an organization, so I'm coming from the mindset of, you know, how much did we spend and what did we get for that spend? I mean, I, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with a PL, you have to be really specific. You, you can't just do yeah. things because they're cool or they're exciting or they'd be really neat to do. I mean, when you are responsible for running a global organization, you have to think about was this worth it? So I think tracking attribution is absolutely important. And yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of brand recognition that you're going to get from it. And there's still some of that softer marketing piece. But the thing that I love most about um, artificial intelligence and the way we harness it with social listening and things like that is that we now have the ability to track and prove spend like we have in no other time in history. Um, and, you know, I don't come from a marketing background, so I am not really into the, the squishy stuff. I'm really about show me um, and I need to see it. So coming, you know, as a scientist, it's like if you can't prove it, I can't manage it. And so you have to be able to track. And I think today's marketer, today's CMO, if you're not tracking attribution and showing that you are an asset at that executive table, not a liability, if you can't prove that, you're not going to be a CMO in that role for very long because the rules have changed. And now everyone at that executive table is responsible for bringing um, money to the table. Otherwise, um, it's, it's just not going to fly. And any marketer out there would agree with me that if you are sitting with your executive team and you can't prove that what you're doing is an asset, I guarantee you, your budget is going to get slashed by sales or by product development teams um, because, you know, as you're looking at reorganizing what we're going to do with this money this year, you're not going to get it if you're not proving how you're contributing to the business bottom line with what you've been given. You have to be a good steward with the money that you've been given and prove that you're spending wisely. Yeah, for sure. Cecilia, is there anything? Anything you would add? Like, are there are there particular KPIs that you think everyone should be using? Do you think it's case by case, and you've just got to look at 
you know, what are the resources you have available and, and what do you think you can produce from that realistically? I completely agree with the wisdom shown by these guys. So, um, yeah, I, I think the only thing I can add to that is that for me, you know, 100% retribution, we have to track these things. We have to also have the clear objective from the start in mind. Yeah. I think for me, there are not maybe so set KPIs that would say, oh, every time it's the same KPIs. I think it depends on what are you doing this for? What's the objective, right? And then you're going to track different things and you're going to sh show success in, in different ways. But it has to be concrete, 100% agree tomorrow. Otherwise, you're going you're gonna to lose your budget. You have to prove the impact on the business. And that can take many different ways. So, you know, I can think of influencer campaigns that worked on that have um, driven additional donations for an NGO, for a charity. Um, I can think of others that have driven sales to a fashion retailer and of specific dress that someone was wearing, but equally then driving word of mouth and then connecting. Um, as Samar was rightly say, we have these amazing tools now. So through social listening, proving that spikes in conversation and word of mouth actually uh, result in additional traffic to websites, additional leads. So I think for me, Maybe there isn't like a stock one that I track every time, but I think it goes really back to the strategic objective and not doing things for the sake of it, but actually doing them for a clear purpose. And then the KPI should follow pretty closely. Yeah, no, I I think you're you're absolutely bang on. So I, I want to kind of close here with, I guess, uh, almost, almost kind of sharing what, what we would do differently if if we were you know going back to start knowing what we know now about starting influencer program getting it off the ground getting it running and you know particularly bearing in mind that sort of the time that it can sometimes take to get a real head of steam behind having those great conversations you know what are the what are the things you guys think you would do differently to really get that up and running as quickly as as possible without without cutting corners um I want, to, I want to start with you, Tamara. Like, is, is there anything you think, you know, you, would, you know you would make sure to do every time that you've kind of learned over the years? Yeah, I think uh, my perspective of, you know, if I could go back in time is when I was first involved in a lot of influencer campaigns is that I don't know what it is about B2B brands, but they're so much farther behind than B2C. And I think for a B2B or enterprise brand to really want to uh, knock it out of the park with influencer marketing is take a page out of the playbook from B2C. And that is your biggest bang for your buck is not getting your influencers to talk about your product and your particular service because guess what? No one's going to care. Instead, you have to do what the B2Cs do, and that is talk about the issue or the passion or the pain point, and then the solution sets, and admit when you don't have all the answers, because you know what, we're all savvy enough to know that there isn't one brand that has all the answers. And what do people crave most right now? Authenticity. So if B2B and enterprise could just learn that it's not about getting influencers to talk specifically about their particular product or service, but instead getting the influencers to talk about the pain points that their particular product or service has a solution for, then it's kind of not a you know direct 
look at, at everybody saying this is the product or service, but rather it's casting a knowing glance that says, we are a brand that cares about these problems and issues. Here are some solutions. And by the way, here are some thought leaders that have some really interesting things to say about it. And just by association, by being that good brand that lets people talk about their own opinions, you get the social equity from having involved people without pushing your product or service. Bam. Yeah. Big, big mic drop moment there for sure. Um, I think, yeah, that couldn't agree more. Cecilia, what's your, what do you think you would do if you, if you kind of had your, um, your time again? What, what's the, the hack to, to kind of get it up, up, up and running? Um, I don't know if there is a hack. I think I was thinking about this earlier. Um, and I think I've learned a lot through, you know, the last 10, 15 years of, of, of engaging with influencers. But I think, in a way, I wouldn't do, a, do anything differently because it's just the space that is changed. I think it's just the way that those influencers engage with brands been part of a journey and I think that's natural that's normal I think one thing that I've learned is that it's really important that when you work with influencers the pool of influencers the people that you work with are reflective of your community so I think the diversity and representation of that group is incredibly important and something that obviously a lot of brands have been called out on and a, a hard lesson that many many brands have learned um but i think you have to make sure that those influences that you work with also represent the larger community of your audience your customers your prospective audience all of that um so that's definitely one to always keep in mind for me no i think i think that's a really good point you know ultimately people People believe people that they find credible and that they can kind of see themselves in. And you can't, you know, you can't just use influencers who only represent one type of customer or um, a small sort of segment of your your customer base. So last of all, Kelvin, what what kind of um, I guess what what things you know you mentioned earlier? There was, there was kind of an initial period where you felt like maybe you didn't quite quite get it right straight away. What what do you think you would do differently? Yeah, so the the underlying um, why is still what Tamara and Cecilia were saying, really, we B2B brands need to be social, not just do social. We need to be human. That's this H2H element. I think without that, um, don't even bother, really. Um, and then I guess I just want to reinforce on you know, the point I made earlier, really, where um, this, it, I would say broadly the technology and the platform around identifying influencers, engaging them, listening, it's fairly straightforward. But the, running the program, getting the right internal resources, um, and it's not just about outsourcing to an agency and kind of good luck. There's a lot of nurturing. There's a lot of uh, program alignment, a lot of calls to be had, meetings to be had with internal stakeholders to get this, this program up and running. Um, so which leads to this kind of internal selling piece, absolutely critical. Everyone, like I said, from PR, comms, event, product, all the way up to, I, I forgot to mention uh, earlier, the our executive leadership team, you know, happy to, to have our CEO involved with a number of influencers uh, in our London office earlier, uh, well, late last year at one of, one of the events. And we got, you know, really good uh, feedback, which leads to kind of internal buy-in, you know, there's a common theme here that 
that it's not just about the program, it's really getting the company involved, getting the brand involved, getting the leadership team involved, because the influencers, the, the, the individuals, they are human after all, they can sense it, who's kind of got this mm. right versus other brands who just maybe see it as a transaction that we talked about. Then the last thing I'll say is also, um, we also can find our own internal influences so that these internal influences can engage with these external influences, because that's where the, the love, the insight, the knowledge really happens where you bring an expert in AI to talk with an expert in AI external. These are, this is the value that influencers want to have because sometimes you, they need that introduction and that's where we sometimes as a social team uh, try and bridge that, that kind of connection that's inherently being social. Kelvin brought the love. You said it. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. I think, you know, it's obviously can be such a, a sort of transformational thing for an organization in terms of really opening up all of the, the kind of the, yeah, the, the passion, the, the interesting things that you're doing within an organization. You know, every organization, I think, well, most are going to have people, people within it who are, um, have fascinating things to say, really care about what they're doing, are kind of deeply engrossed in their work. And, um, you know, just just to think of it as a marketing function, I guess, is can be a little bit limiting when you realize that you can open up that sort of deeper, deeper connection with the marketplace and actually, you know, expose, yeah, as you say, those those internal influences, the, the internal thought leaders to to the rest of the market. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much to, um, to each of you, to Kelvin, Celia and uh, Tamara for joining this discussion. I think we've heard really interesting viewpoints from a, a really good range of perspectives as well. It's obviously great to kind of have someone who's done the influencing bit, there's someone with a wide range of experience and, and kind of working from an agency perspective and also kind of hearing about someone who's really built a program like this um, over the over the, the last few years. So thanks very much to to all my panelists. And um, thank you. looking forward to hopefully all of you uh, again soon. Um, we'll obviously all see you guys online to, to talk about influencer marketing anyway. But um, thanks very much. Thank Great. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.